Well, we um, debated how aggressively we should have a homecoming service, and, and we kind of send out a letter, and some of you felt free and even anxious to come and be with us, and we really thank you for your presence, and others are tuned in online. It's made us all uh, think about our heritage of faith and uh, our um, how why we are the way we are. And so as I considered a homecoming sermon, I thought about what it means to be a home church. Uh, some of you have memories of the home church you grew up with. It may or may not be this one, may or not, may not be like this one, but your home church left its mark on you just like your hometown has left its mark on you. And just the way home cooking leaves its mark on you around the waist. <laughs> Our early shaping of who we are, our values, our character, our happiness. Uh, those of us who are brought up in a church environment uh, have memories of how that home church uh, shaped our character and our Christian life and how it has given us a positive Christian experience. So I wanted to think about how we can be a healthy and constructive home church for those who are part of our fellowship now. How can we be the best environment for people to grow in their faith? As I thought about this, I, I, I don't know why my mind went to this scripture, but I couldn't escape it. It's found in Matthew 13, uh, 1 to 9. And Jesus telling a parable. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea with such great crowds gathered around him that he got in a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now, he preached not about the sea or fishing, but about farming. And, uh, you know, I had a friend I grew up with. He, we were in North Jersey. He actually grew up in West New York, New Jersey. And he talked like that. And he graduated from seminary, and he went to candidate in a church in Nebraska. I remember him telling me the story. I think it was this passage that he preached from. And he preached about farming. And everybody thought it was kind of cute that a guy with a New York accent talked about farming, even though he got most of his facts wrong. And he received the appointment to that church where he served for the next few years. But I thought of that. And uh, Jesus goes on in verse 3, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, so seeds, seeds fell on the path, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose... They were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone who has ears 
to hear, let him hear. So all you farmers, wake up. I just wanted to focus on that last kind of soil, the good soil. And what is good soil in a church where people can be planted and begin to grow genuine faith that will last them a lifetime and beyond? As I thought about the qualities of good soil, I, of course, went online and put in what are the qualities of good soil. And I was surprised at how much jumped up at me right away. And out of the ideas that emerged, I came up with five principles of good soil for all you farmers. And ABC, are we good soil? Well, the first quality of good soil, of course, is that it's rich in nutrients. I mean, a plant's got to live, right? And so all plants gather nutrients, some from the air, like carbon dioxide and oxygen and water through rain, and a lot of it through the soil, where the water lands and is mixed with other nutrients. Uh, we receive, uh, a plant receives nitrogen and and carbon and phosphorus and potassium, these are very important to building plant life, which not only plants depend on, but animals depend on. And then secondary elements, magnesium and sulfur and trace elements of boron and manganese and copper and all of this I learned. These are the nutrients of a good plant and these are the nutrients that need to be in this church. Of course, for a home church with healthy soil, the nutrients are all coming out of the reality of God. God's word, the Bible, is our major source of nutrients. Knowing God's will and trying to do it, focusing on the gospel in particular as God's provision for plants who are trying to grow in difficult soil. A home church provides all of that, and not just facts, the nutrients we need for our spiritual growth, but also our feelings through worship and prayer and acceptance. It's a rich menu that we offer in a healthy church, a menu that we must always reevaluate for its health content and look at how balanced we are, how rich we are, and not be superficial in the way we present the nutrients that God has for his people. Who God is, what he wants, how to stay connected with him. And this nutrition is our number, number one function as a healthy home church. And a lot of people would put out the lights and say that's it. But we know there's a lot more to a church than that. The second one may surprise you a little bit. Not only does, is good soil rich in nutrients, but good soil has a lot of old organic material in it. And we put mulch on the ground, and that consists of a lot of dead leaves from last year's growth. Or we may even use 
food garbage, which is dead organic material. Manure, if you will. All those things are very important to plant life. Not just to provide the nutrients, to, but to provide a, an environment for the nutrients to function. Decomposing material in the soil is, uh, makes up about 5% of healthy, good soil. And it contributes a lot to the quality of the plant's growth. So what about our home church? And what is the old organic material? Well, it's our heritage of faith. The spirituality of this church is affected not just by those who are here now, but by the generations of people who have gone before us, giving a big part of their lives to building this church, its music program, its caring for people through dark times, its hospitality, repairs of the building, care for the finances. All of the people who have contributed to this heritage that makes this church are important. They're here now nourishing us. It's a little weird. Sometimes you see a picture of a, an old country church and, and outside the church the only thing you can see is grave markers. A cemetery next to a church and I remember my first feeling about that was that's incongruous. Why do you have that cemetery right next to the church? But that's why. It's as a reminder of the heritage that goes into this church. I saw these girls up here singing, and two of them reminded me of their grandfather. Is a great, great, I'm lost generations. But Leon Baranaga, Baranaga Hall, every time we go down there, we remember Leon's faith, and Myrna is here. And that faith is here not only because of the family who's living, but also those from the past. Juanita's kitchen's down there. We're really glad Juanita's here. But long after she's not here, that'll be Juanita's kitchen. It was also, I'm sorry, it was also other people that we identify with that kitchen. Martha Engberg and uh, Ann Canode and um, uh, others who dedicated themselves to uh, building the church through that ministry. Every time I walk around, I see Ed Canode or Al Shoebridge. You don't even know those guys, but I remember them. And when uh, Peggy and uh, and uh, Deborah are counting the money. I think of Ed Dempster counting the money. The heritage of faith that has given us this church is really very much more important than we think. And you know there's a phenomenon today. I'd like to say this to get it off my chest. Uh, new church starts. Our denomination celebrates all the new church starts. Fuller Seminary talks about new church starts. Do you know four out of five new church starts fail? And, and those that succeed probably succeed because they take people who are being recycled from other churches. It's not because they make new converts. 
So that lack of old organic material is not a help to a young church. Being pastor of a young church in my first pastorate, I, I recognize the lack of heritage that what a liability that is. So in this church, we celebrate our heritage. I watched uh, uh, our former worship coordinator, Glenn Molina's service at First Baptist Redlands. And it's really interesting the way they do it because this is a historic old church with a historic old organ played by a historic old organist. <laughs> and she does the prelude to the service and it's really old school. And you can see how people who have been part of the life of that church, how that would be reassuring to them. But then she slides out of her bench. Glenn comes up the piano, uh, the, the bass and other guitars, and the singers come up in this young group. They start doing praise music. And it kind of says something to me to have those two things happen side by side. It's a healthy church that honors the organic material that's here from the past. Thank God for all the people who have been here and left part of themselves here. By the way, in my journey, I found out that hummus, which is a old, de mostly decomposed organic material, some elements of hummus are as old as a thousand years. So we got a ways to go. The third element of good soil that I discovered is that good soil is a home to other living things. A lot of other living things. The plant doesn't have that soil all to itself. It's an attractive place for the plant to be, but it's also an attractive place for moles and gophers and worms and insects and, and nematodes and fungi and bacteria and uh, single-celled amoebas and all sorts of crazy things. Do you know that the average um, good quality soil is full of living things? Full of living things. And what are these worms and bacteria and gophers and things like that in our church? They're the other people around you. Well, you say that's kind of insulting, but remember, you're a plant. And, and, and all of these critters are smarter than you. So, so we share with living things the good soil, and they help make a good soil. And, and some of these people, we, they seem as strange as worms, but they're still living things that are part of the same body. And we need to have a symbiotic relationship with these people, with each other, get to know each other enough, the needs that we have, so that we realize that it's a mutually beneficial relationship in a church. The living things that are part of the life of the church, other church members are very important to our own personal growth. If there are some people you don't like, at Altadena Baptist Church, and don't look at me. 
but they are part of the soil in which God has planted you. So get over it and, and learn to see the value in every person who's part of this congregation. And then uh, the fourth element in good soil is what I'm calling a free of contaminants. A lot of negative things that can happen in soil. Some of them are uh, 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 or organisms, harmful organisms that we call pests, uh, bow weevils and locusts and negative bacteria that can destroy a crop. And, and, and some of them are chemical, like toxins, that can mess up the soil. In the home church analogy, there's a lot in the New Testament about being careful about false teaching. And we always need to do that. But also about being careful about false people. That is, we should honor and embrace people, but not buy into all of their, uh, their own way of dealing with their life, which may be toxic. So we need to keep the toxic part of our lives out of our fellowship. Uh, some churches are so full of toxin that, that they're, it's like a blight. It destroys the church. But simple interpersonal conflicts can destroy a church. And uh, I read a quote from a, uh, a podcaster named Jen Hatmaker. She said, the gospel will die in the toxic soil of self. The gospel will die in the toxic soil of self. We all need to listen to this. And the last element of good soil is one that I was kind of conscious of but didn't quite get. Good soil has a healthy structure actually learned a new word, and the word is tilth, T-I-L-T-H. Is that in your vocabulary? Tilth, it's, it comes from the, the idea of tilling soil, but tilth means the soil is properly loosened up and has the right structure about it. And... Uh, Churches can kind of settle in and get compacted and hard so they can't change. A good, a good uh, loam soil is about 50% matter and 50% space. That's interesting. The space for water to flow with nutrients. The space for air and other elements to be part of the soil. And that space needs to be there. Now, there are things, there are aggregates in the soil, like there are little clusters of soil particles with organic materials that kind of hang together. That's a healthy thing, unless they hang too much together. And there are, hang, there are aggregates in a congregation of little clubs and cliques people who talk to each other and not to others. 
But that's healthy unless it becomes closed. We need to be open to connect with others, and we need particularly to find out who needs connection. Now, one of the things about this is that space is important if 50% of good soil has a lot of space in it. Space is important, and some people need to be left alone. Some people need space, and we need to respect that. But some people who self-isolate need to be reached out to, and we need to be sensitive to that. This is, to me, is a very kind of delicate thing that happens in a healthy church, that we learn to be loving to the people it's natural to love and to care for them, but not to turn our back on others. And people feel that. So healthy soil has the right structure to it. Now, it's amazing what can grow in unhealthy soil. I mean, you can have something pop up in very little positive environment like this, or even like this. Now, this picture kind of amazed me, uh, this next one. Uh, so, how did, they, how did that get out there? And what is, it, what is it rooted in? Obviously, there's a little bit of soil there that it could root in, maybe through a crack. And, and there are loner Christians who find a way to make it without a healthy home church base. But that's not the ideal. God is gracious. He can miraculously sustain us in the harshest circumstances. But what a wonderful thing it is to be a healthy garden that nourishes the soil and is nourished back, that nourishes each element. We don't believe it's accidental that you're here. We believe that God has led us to be a beautiful garden, a planned garden, flourishing and blooming in this moment for his glory. May God bless us to reach new levels of being a good soil home church to the next generation of people God leads into our fellowship. God, please speak to us. Help us to know how we can enrich the soil of this church, how we can bless one another, how we can be more pleasing to you so that we leave a heritage for those who come after us, a heritage that is good and fertile and fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.